Good day, everyone. It's Venice Robbins. Hey, welcome to the Venice and Friends podcast. I have today, hey, Gail. Hey, Gail. Hey, Venice. How's it going, girl? Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. I'm getting my, I'm waking up. I'm waking up with Venice. Yeah. Mm, that's not so bad. Just make sure you have a cup of oh. coffee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or tea. Here we go. <laughs> so today um, on this conversation I have like a title and then I have a subtitle so the title is do you want freedom and peace which is I think one of the top three things that when I talk to people and and I ask them what do you want it's probably eight out of ten people say I I just want peace you know so I, I have a real affinity towards what brings peace and the conversation of how to experience peace, right? Yes. Um, and then my subtitle is, you got to do the work. Oh, <laughs> it's like, what? Peace is work? Well, let's just talk about this. So, you know, Gail and I, we kind of do some prep about the conversation. We, we're going to have very little. Uh, but we were talking about, you know, being someone who's just around people a lot in public spaces, you know, in the work I do and in having conversations with people in general, um, there are, you know, a lot of people who live in pain. And I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. And we may have pain for a, a number of different reasons. Uh, but one of the sources of pain is our past and things we've gone through, um, moments or experiences we've gone through that literally shape our life. You know, I, I, I don't know who I told this to one time, but I, I said, you know, there's lots of things that happen as we're growing up. And then there's some what happens that they're not just like the other what happens. They actually have, they shape how we see ourselves and how we relate to the world. And some of those, what happens are painful. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I, if you're someone who is watching this conversation or you're listening to this conversation on the podcast, and if you, um, I think this like this conversation may be like part of my life's mission. Like I really do, Gail. Mm-hmm. But I just want you to know like if you have had pain from your past and you're not like on the other side of it, um I feel you and I see you. And I want to encourage you um to do the work because there is life on the other side of pain. And I really believe that God, the creator of the universe, his heart is bent towards healing and not only healing, but restoration. You know, when you're restored, you're brought back to wholeness in that area. And, you know, I was, I was raised in the church and... It, you know, since I was like a little kid, right? Yes. <laughs> and it was a faith, you know, 
kind of spirit-led environment. And we were taught that if you pray something into something or if you pray for something, it goes away. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen. Yes. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And that's not normally how it goes. And I think that, and I'm a person of faith, deeply, like, I live my life like the real deal, like, uh, you know, like I'm very true to what the scripture teaches. And I'm saying, one, like, I've had trauma in my life where, you know, the first leg of my journey was eight years of healing. And then there was another set of years where God just was healing me deeply. And it's a process. It is not like maybe the prayer starts something. And I think we're not taught in the church. And I, and it's not wrong. You know, I mean, there's no blame in this. Like, oh, the church is so bad. No. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And I think from my vantage point, I I have an interesting vantage point, Gail, because I left the church for 12 years. You know, at 21, I was a prodigal daughter. Mm -hmm. And in that years, 12 years, eight of those 12 years, God just started like healing me. It was like some serious healing stuff. And I started to come to a place of wholeness in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I, you guys don't know me, but I used to be, I wouldn't say cray-cray, but I was emotionally not well. I was not well. And I saw things distorted. And I had, like, mm-hmm. no self-esteem. It was like I, I, I used to just buy into what people said, you know... I didn't have a voice. I was manipulative as all get out. I just had a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And I but I put on a pretty smile. And no one could tell how much pain I was in because I'd mastered not showing it. My mother to this day, she tells me from time to time, I have a hard time really believing what you say because I don't have that experience at all well there's a lot of people that mask over being an alcoholic we know how to hide well yeah we will to survive to survive yes yeah sometimes like the pain is so much it's like almost like a Pandora's box. Like I can't open this box because it's going to feel like it's too much. Mm-hmm. And then also there's the shame. You know, I exactly. lived with a lot of shame. And, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day about, you know, one of my big trauma moments was when I was five. And this babysitter locked me in the closet. And she would do that. It wasn't just one time. You know, she would do that, right? And 
someone asked me, well, like, did you tell your mom? And I was like, I never told my mom till I was in my 30s. And this person was like, why would you tell your mom? And I said, I couldn't tell her. I mean, even in my 20s, teen, never said anything. And I could not, I could not, I don't know why, I couldn't face it. I didn't even have a memory of it fully until I was in my 30s. And then in my 40s, I had, it was like God started to show me exactly what happened in a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's this term that we've heard and we kind of gravitate or resonate with, and that's the iceberg analogy. And um, would you share about the iceberg analogy? I'm going to charge my phone, my uh, computer real quick. I'm going to go off camera for a second. Please share, Gail. Oh, nice. Create that, please. <laughs> well, um, we heard this analogy from very prominent He's a bishop. He's also a psychologist. He's a doctor of many things and theology. And, you know, the iceberg is a beautiful piece of ice on the top and even on the bottom. But what we don't see when you're looking at the iceberg is the underneath. And the underneath is usually much, much greater in size. And in um, rigidness. And I mean, you just don't know how that looks unless you go underneath the water and can take a picture of it. But that would take something too to go in the water because it's cold and to actually look at the iceberg. But once you see it, I would say, like, wow, you're in awe of the beauty of that particular iceberg. But you would never see that unless you took the extra steps to go underneath. Now, is that iceberg wrong? It's just an iceberg. Yeah. And it has a purpose. Yeah. And it can be broken up. It will still be an iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of how we are in life as human beings. And here's we, what I want to say. We're all like that. You know, I meet some people and the way they, you know, they carry themselves. It's like if they have no under the iceberg. It's just... um are in our humanity, we mask things, we cover things up, and we have fake peace. Peace that's not real. And, you know, it's when you look below the surface. You know, I really invite each of you who are tuning in, and I really, I'm just, you know, I have this concern in the background, but I'm going to give it up. And that's, you know, people don't listen to conversations online for very long. So part of me is like, oh, I hope people stay onto this part because it's really good. (laughs) But, you know, I'll let that go. But, you know, for those of you who are watching, I want to say something, okay? Look, you have 
who you see yourself as, who we see you as, okay? This is like a sister telling another sister, okay? Sisters telling another sister. And you may seem like you have it together. You may keep yourself together. And we all have areas of our lives where there is brokenness. Mm. And there's what we see on the top, but under the water, there's more. And a lot of times it's unresolved issues in our life. Things we've gone through that we, we're like, we're not going to face. We're unwilling to face. And then we cover it up or we try to medicate ourselves. We met our, and you know, I'm just going to say it. We medicate ourselves with God. We medicate ourselves with going to church. We medicate ourselves with reading the Bible. And look, I'm saying this with, and I'm someone who's lived what I'm saying. You know, I'm not speaking from like, oh, I read this or some interesting concept I learned in coaching school. No, like, I'm, you know, there's something to what I'm saying. We can try to medicate ourselves with food with relation, codependent relationships. How many women are in codependent relationships with men they should not be married to? And they're trying desperately to make their marriage work. Mm-hmm. And that's not the person you should be married to. <gasps> are you saying that uh, you should, you know, divorce is okay? I'm not going to argue that with you. What I'm saying is for some of you, you're married to someone you're not supposed to be married to. And it's killing you inside. And it may sound a little dramatic, like, gosh, this is a little dramatic, don't you think? No. You know, can you share about how we hold things in in our body, Gail? Like, this is how Um, much the pain will not go away. So I'll just share something with you. I do acupuncture and I do massage therapy. Your body and um, I, I actually had a massage therapist who was a um sports medicine therapist too and he's the one that actually shared with me you know you can do a lot of manipulation through massage with your muscles but your bones your muscles have memory around your bones man i was blown away like my what your (laughs) muscles have memory wow so you know you get a chiropractic, if they don't have massage, you know, you can put your bones back, but the muscles will push the bones back to the memory. Man. It is so fascinating what the body will do. I do acupuncture. Um, she's from China. She's Chinese medicine. Her mother's from China. And she's, mm-hmm. she's American, but it, she can put a little needle somewhere in my ear, press on it to release the, the stagnant blood yeah. that's causing pain cellularly in my body. Now, yeah. if you think that's quacko, that's your right, your belief. I can just tell you that my body releases whatever is being stored. You know, you can even... Years ago, I'd seen this before I admit this particular um, person, your tongue 
can tell your story of your health. Mm-hmm. It's the one muscle you have the most access to. And it, different places can tell you what your body is doing inside. It's amazing what your tongue, not only because you speak and you can say sharp words or happy words or whatever, mm-hmm. but your tongue will tell what your internal body is doing. Mm-hmm. There are always signs of how you're treating your body. Yeah. When um, th- this was years ago now, I started getting inflammation in my body and it started in my knee, my right knee. It would balloon up by 10 a.m. like a, a small grapefruit. And I didn't hurt myself. I went to the doctor and they were like, we don't know what it is. It's inflammation. You know, get off your feet. Because I was doing a lot of physical work with my job at that time. And it got progressively worse, and it got to the point where um, my shoulders would hurt. I had pain in my shoulders, and I had pain in my hips. Those are the two. And so I had shoulder pain, like, inside. It wasn't muscular. Like, my body hurts. And my hips and then my knee, and then I started feeling so exhausted. Like, so exhausted. And I was like... I, I mean, I have the symptoms of like fibromyalgia, I think. And this was, you know, I was still in my 40s, right? I was like, I think I've got fibromyalgia. And I went to the doctor, a specialist in Houston. And she told me, she was like, she ran all these tests. She was like, you don't have fibromyalgia. And she said, um, but I think you should see a psychiatrist because I think you're dealing with something. And we can't help you. I can't help you with what you're dealing with. And what you're experiencing. And I do believe you have pain. And I just remember, like, I'll never forget that day, like, leaving her office and feeling so, like, devastated. Because I didn't have an answer. I wanted to know why I had this pain. And long story short, it was my body, what I believe was happening, was, like, talking to me and telling me, hey, you have unresolved stuff that you're not dealing with. And when I allowed myself to be present, I was working full-time in the ministry. I was like, this is my purpose. Like, I was on fire for God. That's how it looked on the outside. On the inside, when I really allowed myself to get present to what was happening, my marriage was a mess. I never talked to my husband. We didn't have a relationship, but we sat in the church and served in the church faithfully every single week. Mm-hmm. We like had two different lives mm-hmm. and there was a lot I wasn't talking about. Like I, there was like a violation of my own personal integrity with some things that were happening in my work. And I, I didn't feel like I could say anything about it. And I just kept not saying anything. And I i mean, it was a few years that this was happening. So it was like I was dealing with pain. And others pain. And yeah, just, I was yeah. dealing with internal pain, but I couldn't even see it. But the physical pain was like the manifestation of what was going on inside. And in my case, I couldn't even work. So it wasn't like I had an option. You know, my doctor was like, I found a holistic doctor and he said, look, you can do whatever you're going to do. It's your, you know, you're the patient. 
He said, but I recommend you take a year or two off and get your body well. You're not well. And I just couldn't be with what he was saying because I was like, you don't understand. You know, la, 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 la. I had all my reasons why. I can't do what you're saying. And I was left to confront myself. I was left to confront my marriage and how miserable I was. Like, be straight about it with yourself, Anise. And I remember one day I told Don this, and I was like, you know, we had a lot of conversations, you guys. <laughs> Lots. But um, I told him, I said, this relationship is making me sick. And I felt like, and, and I, but I wasn't blaming him. It, I was like, this condition is affecting my well-being. This condition we're in is affecting my emotional and physical well-being. And I, I remember I said, I have to do something about this. Like, I don't know, because my husband back then, he was like, I don't, I'm not interested in like really doing anything. Like he was satisfied. And I wasn't. So it, it was just such a journey with he and I. Yes. But it was affecting me physically and emotionally. It was below the iceberg. Yeah. In the deep. Now, the, the iceberg is in a deep space. And it's also very cold. It's numbing. And that's where we don't want to be. We don't want to be with it. And look, here's what I want to say. is like, God wants to heal you. If you are listening to this conversation and it resonates with you at all, there is healing for you. And it's going to be in a process. Because mm -hmm. that's how God works. And this is where having people around you makes all the difference. You know, it's and it's not just only prayer. Look, I believe in prayer. I love prayer. I, I'm like a woman of prayer. But it's also getting some people who have skill. So you may need therapy. Someone yes. to walk through you. Because like we're life coaches, but we're not therapists. They're two distinct domains. A life coach is not a therapist. People feel like we are sometimes. We're really not. And we don't ever claim to be at all. Yeah. It's like if you want real peace, but confronting it and the thought of going through it can feel like terrifying. Mm -hmm. I Man, I so get it. I've been there. Where it, There's been some things I've confronted in my life where I'm, I'm not even trying to be dramatic. The thought of having this tough conversation felt like I was literally going to die. I felt constricted in my neck. I felt like I couldn't open my mouth and I had to say the words. I could, I felt like I could not say the words about some things that happened because it's like, if I say this, I'm going to be destroyed. That's literally how it felt. And I'll never forget, man, it took a lot of courage to have some of the conversations I've had, you know, but it was like freedom, yeah. like the, like not being imprisoned by shame. Yeah, but that's I, the that's the biggest thing I think that holds us is that shame of what 
not only ourselves, but what others will say. And it's really the more of what ourselves. Yeah. It's really that it, that's it, is that we can't be with ourselves. Yeah. And to even love ourselves because we're so harsh on yeah. ourselves. It, or it's such an indictment about who I am and la la la. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've had very intimate conversations with women coaching and I've heard everything from like, I cheated on my husband to forms of abuse to, I mean, I've heard a lot mm-hmm. and having someone to just hear and without any judgment, there's no judgment. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. I've had women that do coaching and therapy together. And even though I've never met the therapist, the therapists are like, keep working with the life coach. It's making a huge difference in your therapy. I'm yeah. a huge advocate of doing both at the same time. Yeah. There's free therapy nowadays. There's so much more access to assistance and resources than there ever was. Yes, because there's more of a conversation that's allowed for women or men, whatever is going on for that type of healing or um, just the space in which to say what's sitting there. For, because their understanding trauma has been around for longer than what we really have acknowledged. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories, you know, and coaching people share their life with you. And I think one of the most dramatic stories I ever heard, this was years ago, was one of my clients who was abused by her husband, uh, by her father. And she had a child and she didn't feel safe around her child because she was terrified that she was going to abuse her child the way she was abused. And the way he was limiting her life was just, it was, she would not spend time, like there was not the emotional bond with her child because she was living in fear. She'd never told anyone. And I'm telling you, we were doing therapy and coaching at the same time. And this woman to this day, I'm telling you, walks in freedom. And I remember one time she sent me a text message and she was like, You know, I spent the day with my child by myself. And I just want to thank you because it's the first time I've ever felt safe. Like I can be a safe space for her. To hear that, you know, that's therapy and coaching together. Because it's a practice. You have to keep practicing what is being said and it's it's not the simple things to practice it that's where that's i think why we take the the coaching and what we're up to is so important because we give people the space the women the space to actually practice we really encourage it and and they're not alone yeah we're, we're not alone in how we take our walk if we fall and we fail or how it seems like it's failing and we don't really want to do it. Yeah. We have people there saying, you know, we're here. Yeah. And you know, the people that are there, they're not there to give you advice. You know, I've really discovered that one of the most powerful things we can just 
provide people is our presence. You know, my pastor used to say it's the ministry of presence. Being there and being someone who will listen without judgment, who will love, just love people to wholeness. You know, that's the kind of environment we really are intentional to create for people. And, you know, we have our new you group, we, we have our reset group, we have different groups and they all have, they're all have a common theme and they're all places where people can work with their brain. We haven't even talked about that part, but we won't today for sake of time. But part of our healing involves retraining our brain. Yes. And we're, you know, I talked about do the work. This is do the work. The work is mm-hmm. go through the process. So yep. I don't know who's watching. I don't know what your deal is. But what I want to say is, and Gail too, I know we're like-minded on this, is that first of all, we're here. So, you know, I'll put the link in the um, if you're interested, if you're watching this live and, you know, you don't have the, well, let me see if I can put the link real quick, but jump in our new you group. It's that is a huge resource to, it's not therapy, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a resource of women who, where you can really get coaching for navigating underneath your iceberg. <laughs> I was telling Gail one time, I'm like, I think like we're actually like um, iceberg, le- iceberg lettuce, iceberg breaker uppers. What did I say? We're disruptors. We're, we're melting the iceberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, or warming the water. I, I, it's another way of saying it. It's, it's really. Oh, no. 